Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you could find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and I. Feel free to connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's mourning the spring game, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Well, it's just another reminder that we... uh... We ain't got no sports, Gerald. It's um, a weekend pass where we should have been covering a UT spring game, real kind of UT football, um, getting our first look at some of the uh, the recruits and some of the, the players who are switching positions and all of that, um, and we didn't get it. Didn't get to look at Yurchitz and what he's doing and, and Ash and what he's doing, um, but we are all staying safe, and we're all hopefully – flattening and shortening the curve and getting to the other side of this thing. So if it's one spring ball down and we still get an actual college football season, then, you know, I'll, I'll call it a wash given these circumstances. Yeah, I will call it a wash as well. Um, as someone who's living in Oklahoma, who is in a similar situation to those living in Texas, just because stuff is open doesn't mean you have to go. So yeah. all I'm going to say, yeah. just because it's open doesn't mean you have to go. So... Let's move on, Kyle. You said it, it, it. there wasn't any sports, but last week actually kind of felt like there there almost was sports to True. watch uh, with two big events. The NFL draft has come and gone. Uh, three Texas players were selected, and then a couple more ended up on NFL teams. Uh, and then T- Shaka Smart got a big commitment from one of the biggest names in college recruiting, and we'll start there. So after... Weeks and months of consternation about this and back and forth and will they, won't they? Will Shaka still be there? If Shaka's still there, Greg Brown is coming to Texas. Oh, no, the G League is offering six figures. Will Greg Brown actually come to Texas? Greg Brown announces on Instagram Live Friday afternoon that he will be coming to the University of Texas for a year. Five-star power forward from Vandergrift High School in Austin. He's the number nine player overall, the number one power forward in the country, the number one player in the state of Texas. He will be the fifth highest ranked player 
to play at the University of Texas based on 24-7 sports history. Kevin Durant, Mo Bamba, Avery Bradley, Miles Turner, and then GB3. A big addition for Shaka Smart coming into a potential 2020-2021 season. How big is this for a Texas program that was starting to feel some positive momentum before the season shut down? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 positive for Shaka, right? This was the long, long conversation was, you know, there were people in, in the doldrums of the season before the kind of uptick at the end who said, well, we got to get rid of, of Shaka. And I think we may have been in that train. But a lot of people said, wait a minute. One of the factors is this kid. So when you're a, a high school recruit and you're factoring into a potential, whether it actually happened or, or it was speculated, but um, potentially factored into a coaching decision, you know the kid is good. You know he um, has some clout, has some gravitas, has some potential um, to you know really shape the direction of a program. Basically, it was between Texas and and you know the minor leagues effectively the NBA G League was really uh, after him and uh, you know you you know that you're talented right you know that you are um, something special if if that's what you're looking at the the, the fact that you know Shaka and, and and the the coaching staff have been after him basically since you know he uh, he he was still playing I don't even know what game the kids were playing then but uh, on his his Nintendo Switch or whatever, he was in seventh grade, uh, you know, it, it says something about it. That he's been, um, he's had some Longhorn connection for a long time. I think he has a chance to really come in next year with a team that's returning a ton of talent. Um, and he's not kind of since Kevin Durant, all of those people you named and even some of the others um, that are right on the, the outskirts of that in our, our big recruits, our big five stars and, and large four stars that we've gotten. He's not um, a pure like five or, a, you know, a true pure inside post big. He's a truly dynamic. He is big. He's six nine, but a truly dynamic score. You think more of a Durant than maybe like a Mobamba. So a little bit of a different player than, than, you know, we've had kind of in our, our, our formula lately of get really good five star at the at the five position and he's here one year you know it I, we can't speculate way too early to see what's going to happen with all of it but it's a great day for texas basketball 100 percent, and i think like greg brown is feels a lot like what was missing from last year's team in a lot of ways where that that guy that can um play that mid okay, he could stretch. He's like that stretch four, right? Where you got to spread the floor a little bit. Um, granted, there were probably a lot of other gaps in that team, but I I may just be too high on this. But but when I when I look at Greg Brown joining a team that is likely going to be pretty intact from last year, this could very well be Shaka's most talented group since he's been here. Now he's had probably some obviously higher individual talent. Mo Bamba is on that list, right? Um, but I think from when you look at the team overall from top to bottom, I mean, Jericho Sims probably coming back to school, right? Uh, Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones, uh, Ramey, Jace Fabress, like that's a, that's a solid core of guys. And then you add Greg Brown, who's a legitimate like lottery pick in the NBA next year. Like that's a team that if Shaka can't find a way to, to rub all of these guys together and, and pop out some wins. Like, I think there's, there's definitely something wrong there. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how this shakes out next year, uh, because I, there are no excuses for Shaka unless, unless all of these guys like, get on a scooter and crash into each other and can't play <laughs> next year. There's literally no excuse for Shaka uh, in the, in the 2020, 2021 basketball season. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's exactly right, right? This is his gift. This is his curse because they're, they're really, um, 
if this team underperforms with all of that returning talent you mentioned, plus a you know a six six nine guy who can dribble a little bit, kind of create his own shot off the dribble and, and shoots at just about a forty percent clip from three, um, you know, really should evoke a, a bit of a Kevin Durant type player. I mean, if if you can take that team and not seriously compete for the Big Twelve or a you know a low number seed in the NCAA tournament, then it, that might be a finality to to questions that have been asked um, of that coaching staff. So um, a huge year coming up, and, and obviously, like you said, GB three. Um, I'm excited to see all the the Sonic the Hedgehog memes that we get to use and incorporate next season. Um, that his his family rolls rolls the the whatever i guess there's the sigil is sonic um so uh you know he's gonna be fun in a lot of ways and, and like i said you can analyze it we'll have plenty of time for that but for right now i'm excited it is big news and it is good news for the ut basketball program so that's the the exact type of news we're hoping to receive during these dark days absolutely so uh this is Gonna be Shaka's smallest recruiting class. I believe it's a class of one. So, but potentially uh, most immediate impact group. So, another group of guys that were uh, selected or selected their next destination. The NFL draft has come and gone, um, and like we mentioned off the top, three Texas players heard their names called. A couple early in the rounds, one late in the round, and then two others managed to. Uh, to find their way on the NFL rosters. Brandon Jones was the first one off the board. Uh, shocking to some people, actually, that he was the first one to go. Uh, yeah. But round three, pick six by the Miami Dolphins, number 70 overall. Miami had a sneaky good draft. I think they addressed a lot of their needs, but that's me as a Dolphins fan. But if you listen to this podcast, you know I am super pessimistic about everything sports-related. <laughs> so... That says a lot. Devin Duvernay went a little later. Round three, same round, but pick 28 in the 92nd pick overall. First Texas wide receiver drafted uh, since Marquise Goodwin in 2013, which is, oh, just a knife. Um, Colin Johnson was selected by Jacksonville in round five, pick 19, 165 overall. And then after the draft ended, uh, Malcolm Roach signed on to his hometown, I guess, Air quotes, hometown New Orleans Saints as an undrafted free agent. And Zach Shackelford is uh, signed an undrafted free agent deal to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay Gronkineers, I think. No, um, the uh, <laughs> it, it's interesting, Gerald, right? We, we have we have long said we are not like die hard, true, you know, NFL bleed every Sunday um, fans. But we, we obviously have a rooting interest years go, go quite deep. Um, but for over the Dolphins and Ravens, and those were the first two teams to take a Longhorn. Um, the Ravens, in particular, I think just just continue to add. I mean, they they unfortunately added some some Aggies and Sooners as well. But you know, to a a really incredible core uh, with Earl Thomas, Justin Tucker, Deshaun. Uh, out there, I mean, they, they've they've had some Longhorns in the past as well, so it, it makes it easy for me. But I think out of all four of these guys, I am curious what Colin can do in Jacksonville. But Duvernay, with that Baltimore offense, basically with Lamar Jackson, all of the um, explosive plays that that they have, and take J.K. Dobbins even as an, as another pick out of that. But what they had last year, even, and then throw him into that, it, it really is exciting. Um, for his potential for immediate impact. Who who are you most excited to see? I mean, I think DuVernay gets added to an already dynamic 
uh, offense and, and to see how excited his new coach was to draft him. I believe he said he was his favorite receiver in the draft, which is a big deal. And that, that offense just keeps getting better. Uh, obviously I have, I have that vested rooting interest, uh, in Brandon Jones in Miami. My, my dad moved to the United States the year the dolphins went undefeated. And so, uh, as, as a front runner, uh, he latched onto them, but then, it's now been 40 years. Uh, definitely no longer a fair weather fan. We've dealt with some real bad years. Uh, so I'm excited to see Brandon Jones, especially I'm excited to see Brandon Jones in those all white throwback alternative uniforms that uh, Miami rocks so often, which I absolutely love to see. Um, but I really like, I'm, I'm weirdly excited to see Zach Shackelford in Tampa Bay because center is kind of a weak spot for them. They have a, a kind of a veteran uh, and then a, a second year guy at a Harvard at center and that's it on the roster. And so he, if he can play well and impress the coaches, he's got a legitimate spot of a legitimate chance of making a spot on that 53 man roster. So I'm definitely interested to see how things shake out for him. And then it's so good to see Malcolm Roach land in new Orleans, a place where he loves he in the off season would go back and do charity work in, in the new Orleans area and kind of the suburbs where he's from. And so it's just cool to see a guy who is a, kind of a bit of a hometown hero, at least to people who know who he is, uh, end up on the hometown team, the team that he grew up uh, playing for. He tweeted something about, I was gone for four years, but now I'm back home. Like, that's yeah. just so cool to see. Well, and I mean, he, he has played in that stadium and played pretty darn well, if you think back to the uh, the, the game that Tech split against Georgia in that uh, Superdome. So, I mean, I think uh, everything bodes well there. I'd love to see both him and, and last year's uh, undrafted free agent, little Jordan Humphrey, both make it from the practice team onto the actual squad and, and be contributors next season uh, to the Saints. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, all told, all five of the draft-eligible guys, you know, um, that we were looking at, you know, were signed to teams, uh, you know, so I, I think could have could have uh, gone a little earlier maybe for Colin Johnson. That could have fifth round maybe a little low for him, but you, you have to look at the injury concerns and understand it there. He has – reason to have a chip on his shoulder Brandon Jones I think probably went higher than most people will pick so I mean I think if you said a three three and a five and in three out of the five got picked that's probably about about what we were hoping yeah I mean I think all five all five of them landing on an NFL team especially in a year that Texas continues to kind of be a punchline on draft day uh, because there's so many players from the state of Texas that you drafted and, and again only three of them played at the University of Texas so I think that's in, well, yeah Colin Johnson's actually a California guy now that I think about it. He is. Yeah. Uh, so he's not even a guy from Texas. But um, the the conversation around it was so weird because, like, Tom Herman was getting pulled into into this as a guy who didn't develop these players and had dra- uh, recruited poorly. And, like, that was the Charlie Strong transition class where yeah. they – Let's be like they just dropped the ball on on J.K. Dobbins, and when Tom Herman walked in on on campus, looked at the recruiting board and said, "Why on God's green earth have we not offered C.D. Lamb?" Like that's like that's just the like a lot of the 2017 class is not on Tom Herman. Now the lack of development probably could be attributed to that, but I think Tom Herman has come out and said it that they haven't been developing guys. And that's part of the reason why they've assembled the staff that they do. But when you look at 28, the 2018 class, I think there's several guys that will likely hear their names called early in the draft next year. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think you're right. It's, it's, um, 
next year it's way too early to predict, but there there are a lot of players who who have NFL caliber and high NFL grade potential, um, depending on the season next year. But I, I think one thing we don't want to pass over is is we have a couple of those players for next year on the offensive side of the ball, but there were a couple this year. Uh, this is the first time that Texas had two offensive players drafted in the first year, uh, excuse me, in the same year since 2010. Gerald, who who might those two be? Uh, I think they were roommates, Kyle. Were they not? Oh, okay. So, so that must have been. Um, uh, let's. See. I can't even think of anyone else. On <laughs> Their dads were also roommates, Kyle. I'm not sure if you knew that. Uh, Colt McCoy, George Shipley drafted, and actually back to back picks, I believe, uh, in that draft. So uh, weird that I, I'm still a little upset that they broke them up, but that's that's neither here nor there. You know, uh, I, I think it's I think it's perfectly fine uh, that Garrett Gilbert and Malcolm Williams went back to oh, wait no oh Colt Colt uh, sorry I get I get all my quarterback receiver combos uh, uh, confused there no no that's um that's, Case McCoy and Jackson Shipley <laughs> the uh, the the there's a there's a, a Sneed I think who they're recruiting right now so the the circle of life does not uh, grow <laughs> too much you know it, it stays uh, stays closed but no um. It's exciting, right? It's something. This is this is Herman's chance to to lay those blocks and build off of it. So it's something. Um, we need to keep getting defensive guys drafted for sure. But uh, let's let's get some offensive players, the best out of the state, commit to UT, and then those guys get developed so that they uh, project to the next level, and then everyone will be happy. We won't have anything to podcast about. No complaints. Uh, everyone will just be happy and peaceful to each other on the internet. Kyle, we are fans and a podcast for the university of texas there will always be complaints <laughs> that brings us to the part of the show where we give some shine to uh the programs and the people that don't always get as much shine and we down the 40 now it's weird to start out here because last week was literally all women's basketball but whatever uh vic schaefer is doing some absolute work on the recruiting trail so this got a little overshadowed because uh gb3 committed on Friday, but Vic Schaefer this last weekend reeled in not one, but two five-star players for his 2020 recruiting class. So five-star point guard Rory Harmon uh, committed actually the same day as our friend Greg Brown. She is one of the top players in the country. And then that day later, five-star power forward Aaliyah Moore from Moore, Oklahoma committed to the University of Texas. That's a big deal. And, you know, we were, we were, we knew the Schaefer hire was going to be big, but I didn't think the dividends would pay off so quickly. And again, let's remember, this was right after we talked last week on this podcast about the transfer kind of bubble and how impressed we were with the amount of experienced players that were coming to UT from either, you know, previous stops knowing and and playing for Coach Schaefer or just players from around the country uh, who knew this was the place to be. So, I mean, you were going to see one of the deepest, most loaded teams that Texas has ever had um, in the modern era next year. And and you have to imagine that trend is only uh, tipping on the upward. But yeah, two, five star, I believe both, depending on which service you look at, top 10 players in the country on the same day is, is absurd maybe obscene um i mean like i don't i don't even know if calipari gets to do that uh on the men's side i don't i don't know 
whoever just gets to, to drop that on you know social media on the same day. So if you're asking who is winning the COVID-19 you know sweepstakes, I think Vic Schaefer is is leading the nation with having the best uh, the best lockdown couple weeks here. Yeah, I mean, he's doing it big, and, and I think we'll see this continue to trend in that direction. I think we'll see um, – I, I don't know if Texas is done on the transfer market, but I don't think they'll be as splashy. And then bringing in these younger players, I think this is probably what Texas women's basketball recruiting is going to look like moving forward. Sticking with recruiting, the Longhorns got a big commitment from a big man from Atascosita High School. Atascacita, Gerald. Are you not up on your uh, not not too close to Houston? I mean, it's a good 30, 40-minute drive depending on traffic, probably an hour if you get traffic. Uh, Houston area, um, odd pronunciations, kind of like Guadalupe and uh, others. That's that's Atascacita. I, I, sh- I should have practiced that one. <laughs> no. Atascacita. That's right. You got it. Did I get it? You got Kinda it. Kind of like if I just think of Mac Brown saying casitas. That's right. That's <laughs> that's that's actually what they named the town after. It used okay. to be yeah yeah. It used to be called Nice Villages uh, High School, but they <laughs> they renamed it to Mac Brown's Casitas. Atascacita High School mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tight end Landon King pulled the trigger, committed to Texas. Had the recruiting Twitter sphere kind of an uproar because. Carrington tweeted out the bat signal we all know and love, but then Jalen Milrow got in on it and said, I'm really excited about this next commitment. And then new tight ends coach Jay Bolware tweeted the Fred Sanford heart attack gif. So we knew something was coming. Uh, he's listed as a three-star currently, like at somewhere in like the 800s, I think, on, on 247's composite. But uh, when you look at the offer list and who is recruiting him, uh, it tells a different story. Texas's biggest competition for Landon King were the Alabama Crimson Tide, yeah. the Auburn Tigers, and the Texas A&M Aggies. So the stars may not tell the story. He's probably a kid that would have gotten a big rankings bump or yeah. will potentially if a uh, 2020 high school football season happens. Yeah, and I think Georgia was in there too. So I mean, just a really, really great, um, you know, list. You can often find out. Coaches seem to know a bit more than than recruiting services, I presume. So um, no, I, I think I think it's a great, great get. Um, not going to talk about the speculated rumor about his cousin being a package deal as an LSU commit. We're going to leave that one um, there. But uh, no, I mean, I think he, uh, I think he is a, a great addition in his own at a position that you and I have both been calling for a while to return to the David Thomas days of, of glory, the preacher, Michael Finley, uh, curse, uh, tight end. I mean, we, we've put some, some really good recruits at that position. I'm excited to see that in this new offensive scheme, be a position that we actually emphasize. And we don't just put out on the field for, you know, the sake of having it there, but we, we, you know, utilize that position. I think he can be, uh, with his kind of uh, size and and receiving ability, can fit right in there as a really really interesting piece in the years to come. Yeah, he's got a skill set. He's he's definitely more of a he's more of an H back kind of not a tight end. He's kind of that guy that uh, can play multiple spots and flex a little bit. So um, he he the the theme for the 2021 class is probably my favorite thing in the world. I uh, got my state on my chest and my family on my back. Like that is just incredible stuff. Uh, I, Jalen Milrow talked about it on a, on a podcast with our friend, Mike Roach. Uh, it has kind of been their, their rallying cry for this, this class. And I'm all 
for it. More good news for the country club sports. Uh, for women's golf, uh, f- favorite of the show, I'll go and call it. Sophie Guo and Caitlin Papp were both named first team All-Americans by Golf Week. So the awards keep coming in for an incredible golf season. And uh, J.P. Urquidez, who uh, transferred out, he was a Texas offensive lineman, will uh, not have to go far to find his new landing place. Will uh, finish his career out playing for the Texas State Bobcats. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Congrats to the uh, the women's golf team being being great. Well, another one of those teams that was really, really grooving and looking at postseason uh, potential glory in, until the the world uh, stopped turning for a few weeks here as we found ourselves. So excited to see them recognized um, and what they'll do next year. And good luck to uh, to JP at Texas State. Eat them up, cats. I think it'll be a good landing spot for him. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions of all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? You know, I was going to uh, to bang this drum and just uh, because podcasting is a visual medium, have uh, me reacting to the various shots of the new Moncrief Newhouse Athletic Center and the $200 million uh, facility renovation going on. We got our, our demo video that was just jaw-dropping. It was going to be a lot of, oh, ooh, look at that. Um, but I don't know that, that that translates as well um, to the pure to the pure audio uh, version. So I'll just hit some highlights. I mean, it, it, it if you haven't seen it, uh, we retweeted it from the, the show account. You obviously should be following uh, that on Twitter, and then you'll see all of these great things. But, uh, I mean, it's just... It looks unbelievably state-of-the-art. I think both Chris O'Conti and Tom Herman um, came to Texas and were a little surprised because we, you know, as we say, are the Joneses and did not have the single best facilities. We were a little bit behind. We had upgraded and become the best in the country. Um, and then, you know, everyone else caught up and we, we just kind of got a little bit stagnant in what we had done. They have started some of those renovations and this is kind of the the finish of that. Um, I mean, they, they hinted a little bit at what the weight room will be. Obviously, that's a really key important part um the, the one thing you know I, i'm just a little bit worried about is is you know the um though they get the the multiple arcade games i only saw three nap pods which you know we want these guys energized and refreshed so hopefully that means there's a a, a dedicated napping area but you know just somewhere in that hundred thousand plus square feet uh that they they have in renovated space i'm sure the players will find some some space to stretch out um but i mean again i don't know how to describe this other than than imploring you to go take a look um it'll get you excited if you went to games last year and saw the construction in that end zone you know this is this is what will make it all worth it and at 200 million big ones um chris del conti has the, the the war chest at his disposal and this this is exactly what we would have hoped for everything is chic um clean um just looks like a national championship facilities and so i i saw it and i got immediately jacked uh ready for the players to to walk out of uh a building that looks like that so my two thoughts are one like nap pods are a weird thing to me because it kind <laughs> of looks like um i'm gonna nerd out for a second um, when Darth Vader was relaxing and you saw like the first saw underneath the helmet, that's what those look like to me. It's really, really weird. Um, but also as somebody who can fall asleep basically anywhere, it just seems like, it just seems like an unnecessary expense. Like I've fallen asleep standing up in airports before. So like, <laughs> like let's just, let's just do that. Right. Uh, but really the, the most important question is they've got a barber shop in there, which is, which is big, but I really need to know like who's cutting the hair. 
who's going to be the, the cutters because they're not going to be there all the time. Right. And when I moved to Austin, I, I was looking for a barber and I knew that I was in the right barber shop when I saw basketball and football players waiting for the other barbers. Like, okay, this is the spot, right? So I knew I was in the right spot. Uh, and then I found a barber I liked and he moved shops and I followed him as you tend to do with your barber. But like, I need to know who that guy is because if I'm in Austin, I need to know, let's find this guy's shops on his off days from, from Moncrief. Gerald, I'm, I'm all about protecting people's uh, privacy and, and sensitive data. So I won't say any names, but I actually know your barber. If you recall, you uh, you hooked me up with an interview in, in, in a journalism class while in undergrad so i actually uh i know your barber i i've i've interviewed and spoken to your barber he thinks highly of you or at least I he did then <laughs> it's been a decade but hopefully he still uh does so i am uh banging the drum this week on something that i alluded to earlier in there's a lot of conversation around texas and the lack of player development in the last several years um based upon the NFL draft results based upon Deshaun Elliott going on uh, social media and running his mouth uh, based upon a friend of the show, a guy we really, really like. Um, and he wasn't really running his mouth, but just agreeing with him. Donald Hawkins agreeing that he didn't learn anything while he was at Texas, which is tough to hear. But a lot of that's getting lumped on the current staff and the current regime. And one, none of those guys coached the two guys in question. And two, I think that's the reason why Tom Herman made some of the staffing changes because he admitted that they weren't developing players like they should. They there. And again, is three years enough time to judge that? Maybe, maybe not. But I do think that you've got potentially three guys, at least that could be early draftees next year. Sam Cosby's in a lot of first round projections and those way, way, way too early 2021 mock drafts, but you got a guy like Sam Cosby. You've got a guy like Caden Stearns. If he can stay healthy throughout a season, I could see him taking his talents to the next level. Joseph Osai, I think is going to absolutely flash in this new defense. And I think he's going to be a freak at the combine. And so I think that there's going to be a shifting of this narrative around Texas in the near future. It's just, it's frustrating to me that I think people are blaming the current administration for the past really two coaching staffs sins. And it's just really frustrating, especially because I'm absolutely tired of being in Texas being a national punchline when it comes to the NFL draft. Well, I think we, we respect coach, uh, coach Herb hand immensely. Um, on this particular show, um, and and I think Cosme specifically will will you know have a chance to really prove something. But if you look, say Texas has you know, just let me put it out there: way too early drafts. No one had, for instance, LSU multiple offensive players going as high as they did. Right? It, it will depend on next year. But imagine a dream scenario where Texas has a really great year; they achieve um, to the level that we think that they can. Um, there are there's a lot of first round talent guys who were big recruits in high school who have played big at UT who project to the next level a guy you didn't even mention snacks I think Keandre Coburn is a guy who could be you know again with a good season next year could be a first round talent Texas could could in theory have three to four uh, of those guys and, and again I, I really like Sam Ellinger as a college quarterback I'm very curious how he'll project at the next level he's a guy who has you know, Heisman talent, I think, or, or at least, you know, all American talent um, at the quarterback 
position when he plays his best football. And who knows if there's a team that thinks, you know what, that's a winning mentality. Maybe we can translate that to the next level. I don't necessarily think he's a first round projected pick, but you know what I mean? Go, go win a, go win a national championship or a Heisman. It seems like if you win a Heisman now, you're a first round pick, uh, based on the past three years or so. So, uh, there is some doing left to do on the field, but if all things go right, there is the talent, is, was brought to the 40 acres the talent has started to show itself in the younger underclassmen so far on the 40 acres and, and next year you know in theory should be a put up or shut up season i think my real question about the 2021 draft cycle is will they ask sam ellinger if he's willing to change positions if he's not drafted at tight end that's always my always my question because uh, they definitely asked jalen hurts but that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet? Sam Ellinger, middle linebacker, Joel Lanning. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer on Twitter at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter at GH Goodridge, talking about how Sam Ellinger will be the next, whatever his name is from New Orleans, Taysom Hill from <laughs> New Orleans. You can follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook up. Hook up. No more Taysom Hill references. <laughs> <laughs>